Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. It is Wednesday, April 11th, 2018. You are listening to Red Sea Roundup, and I am your host, Gene Wilhelm. Today, we have a couple of very special saints that we need to celebrate. The primary one that, if you look for, it will be St. Stanislaus, who was in Poland. And he was a very holy man and a bishop. And as with some of the uh, religious leaders from time to time, like Thomas More and Thomas Beckett, he got crosswise with the king. And the king uh, was not doing very well with the peasants, and he was not doing very well in his his um, morality. And uh, St. Stanislaus called him on this, and uh, the king pretended to repent and change his life, but he really didn't. And Stanislaus uh, called him back again, and the king finally had enough and ordered his soldiers to kill St. Stanislaus. However, uh, the, the soldiers wouldn't do it. So the king himself killed him. And uh, Thaddeus was telling me that that was when he was saying mass. Uh, legend has it that the king uh, was exiled to Hungary and he spent the rest of his life in repentance in a Benedictine abbey. There is another saint that we have here today, and I'm going to let uh, Thaddeus pronounced the name because I can't. Hey, good morning, Gene. How you doing? Just fine, thank you. I think it's Saint Marguerite Duville. Okay, but the la- the place where she's from is spelled Y O U V I L L E, and that certainly reminds me of a name that of a place that Dr. Seuss would have created. <laughs> is that the counterparts of Whoville? <laughs> the counterparts of Whoville. Well, it's just across the river from Whoville. Right, it's the neighboring village. Now, St. Marguerite was a the foundress of the Sisters of Charity in Canada, and uh, they uh, primarily work with the poor and uh, schools and hospitals and orphanages throughout Canada, the United States, Africa, South America, and they're also known for their work among the Eskimos. And she was beatified by John the Twenty-Third and canonized by John Paul II in 1990. Uh, two very different types of uh, saints, and but yeah. but it's really uh, it's all the same God we serve. And it just goes to point out to us that each of us has a different role that God has created for us, and we just need to be sensitive to that role. And try to always be uh, discerning that through through p- prayer and uh, adoration and re- mass and religious direction or mm-hmm. s- spiritual, spiritual direction. direction. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Always looking for that that special role that we've been called to. Go ahead. And I think that um, you know maybe we hope we pray that um, we can be a part of that for people too. But by listening to the radio station and the programming that we put out there for all of all of our listeners that that we can play some small role in helping people discern what God's calling them to do in, in their lives and how they they can serve his kingdom here on earth and we hope that we're helping you 
on your journey, your pilgrimage uh, to heaven. Yes, and as as uh, we've pointed out here on this program before, that uh, Matthew Kelly talks about being a saint, being holy, as being the best version of yourself, that which God has called you to. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes that's difficult. And and I was reading recently that the, or maybe listened to something recently that said that that's what Vatican II pointed out, is that holiness isn't just for those who are in a religious community or a priest it is for everybody, and each of us is to find our own personal path to holiness, and that is always lived out in the context of church. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not a you-and-me type of holiness, although we need to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. Our call to holiness is to, a call to holiness within the church. That's right. That's right, and that's what the Pope's new um, apostolic exhortation is all about. It's, it's that universal call to holiness. So it's his, his thoughts on, on living that out in our present age. But we also hope that um, our speaker at our Waco benefit is going to give some inspiration and uh, fortification to living out that personal call to holiness. Um, Deepen your your convictions about um, the truth of our faith. Patrick Madrid is coming to speak at our Waco benefit on Thursday, April 19th. I mean, it's just right around the corner, hard to believe. We're about 95% capacity, Gene. Oh, wow. So there isn't—if somebody wants to go to that, they need to really get in gear and go to the website. Yeah. And... This is probably their last chance this, this week is to, okay. to get tickets, because we might have to, might have to cut off uh, registration. But he's going to give a, a, a talk on Eucharistic miracles, not, not only some of the— more famous ones such as Lanciano, which has been in existence for about three three hundred years or so now, but some of the even Eucharistic miracles from the twentieth century, and the and the beginnings of uh, I believe there's one from Argentina. Yes, uh, from the beginning of this century. So, lots to convict us about the reality of Christ in the sacred host and the precious blood and that he's with us here and always will be with us, and how the Eucharist is, is that food for the journey for, for all of us. And this is an opportunity for our listeners in the KAYR area, Waco and the surrounding area, to uh, have uh, an, uh, an aid in discerning that holiness mm-hmm. and to live, in, to live out just a small few hours of their lives in community with other believers. Yeah, that's right. It's going to be at Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Waco. It's going to start at 6.30 on Thursday, April 19th, and we'll be out of there about 9. Nice nice meal, have some beer and wine. Uh, I think we're going to have some door prizes. We'll have some uh, Waco listeners uh, talk about the importance of the radio for them, and then we'll hear from Patrick Madrid, and Dennis will give a report on the radio station, and then we'll ask for your uh, contributions to the mission. And if I remember correctly, Patrick Madrid is going to be hosting one or more of his programs from St. Peter's, adjacent to the Baylor campus. Yeah, he's going to broadcast his program, I believe, the day of, and I think the next day from Baylor, yeah. And that is an opportunity for some of our listeners to come and be 
of participants as audience. I don't now. I don't know that. I don't okay. know if he's going to do it in front of a live audience. He might just have to do it from a room there on okay. the Baylor campus. Okay, I, I thought at one time somebody said that it was going to be in front of a live I think, audience. I think months, months ago they were kind of kicking around that idea. I don't know that. I think that was not sort of logistically feasible. Well, St. Peter's does not have a lot of large areas where you could do that. <laughs> okay, I haven't. I haven't been there to be honest. Yeah. Well. I've been there a couple of to- times, so it's it's uh, it's adequate, but it's not. I don't remember that it has a large place to gather people. Okay, but Patrick Madrid, I mean, he's going to be a, just a lively speaker, and he's a really um, really personable uh, individual as well. So he'll he'll take time to to chat with you afterwards if you go to the book table, um, whether or not you're buying some of his books, but. You'll probably want to buy some of his books after he gets done speaking, um, but just very, very congenial, and um, he'll it'll make he'll make it a really nice evening. And those so, of you, those of you that are here in the KEDC area, probably remember when Patrick Madrid was here several years ago, and you may actually want to make the hour and a half trip mm-hmm. to Waco to hear him again in person. Yeah, our listeners in other other areas are definitely invited, but like we said. Get those tickets now if you haven't, because we are at about 95% capacity. We're going to probably have to um, cut off registrations here maybe by the end of this week. And uh, I haven't mentioned who my guest is today. And for the first yeah, time in several months, it is going to be a live program. So you will be able to call in at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA if you have a question or comment. That's 855-683-7332. And my guest is going to be... John Egan. Okay, now now what what's John Egan's uh, line of work? John Egan, and I do not know his exact title, but he is the man who is in charge of everything that goes on at the Pines Catholic Camp, mm. which is out in the uh, Tyler area in the mm-hmm. Tyler Diocese, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it is a remarkable story about what goes on there, and he's going to talk a little bit about that. It's the largest Catholic. Camp, camp in the country. I believe so. I think it's if it's not the largest, yeah. it's one of the two or three largest yeah. Catholic camps in the country. And I'm going to let him talk a lot more about that. And uh, uh, you're going to find that John has a lot of excitement about what he does and how he got here is probably a little, or got to that point, is probably a little unusual too, because uh, his roots are not Texan. Mm. Speaking of roots, Gene, um, we know it's springtime and you're wearing green and Things are budding out and blooming. Uh, I know you're a green, little bit of a green thumb. Any uh, any tips for our listeners? Any gardening tips for our listeners here, right off the top of your head? I would say one of the biggest ones I can have is rather than going to a big box store and buying what they have that looks appropriate, is to check with your county agent or Texas A&M Horticulture uh, uh, website. Or call somebody like a Neil Sperry, or here in uh, the Bryan College Station area, there's this Thursday morning or Thursday noon program uh, where you can call in a question about that. For example, I love camellias, gardenias, and um, and uh, some other of those plants that are really prevalent in the South. They hydrangea, do, you said. Hydrangea. They do not do well in this soil. Uh, they need to be potted in uh, high peat, a lot of peat moss, and uh, the, you have to collect the rainwater to, to water them. Now, you folks out in Palestine, you shouldn't have a problem with that. East Texas soils are a lot better for that type of thing, and I'm not sure about Waco. 
uh, the Waco area, but it's probably better than here where we have a lot of salt and stuff in our water that just really kills plants. So think twice about those hydrangeas, gardenias, camellias, camellias, planting them here in the Brazos Valley, guys. This is not this is not Mobile or Atlanta, so (laughs) no, uh, it's not. So uh, it's a problem. well, you want to go to go to break a little oh, bit earlier? Is that kind of what that, you're feeling? I think it's about time, and we're going to have more than enough to talk about in the last second half of the program with John Egan. Okay. Welcome back. You're listening to Red Sea Roundup. I am your host, Gene Wilhelm, and I have with me today a guest that I've wanted to talk to for some time, and I've actually got a guest who is live today, so you can call in questions or comments at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. And my guest today, as I told you a little bit earlier, is John Egan, and he's with the Pines Catholic Camp. And I'd like to say good morning, John. Good morning, Gene and listeners. Hope you all have a great day. John, I don't remember what your title is. You told me when we spoke several weeks ago, but my mind doesn't retain all everything that it should. No problem. Yeah, I, I have been the camp director of the Pines for the past 10 years. We just went through a leadership change at the beginning of 2018. My new title is Executive Director of Ministry. Uh, it sounds real uh, glorious, but it, it also means setting up folding chairs and, and uh, cleaning um, stains off our tables in the dining hall as well, <laughs> as well as leading our, 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 our team here as well. So um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great mission that, that we have at the Pines, and I, I think the, the thing I'm most proud of is, is keeping, keeping the, the flame of our mission going, our, our Catholic identity, the faith, fun, and friendship of what the Pines has, has been for the last 30 years, just keeping that flag waving. And John, it sounds as though you are living out uh, Jesus' call to leadership through service. It is. It's, it's the new evangelization in an outdoor outdoor ministry, an outdoor evangelization, we call it. It's, it's um, uh, taking young people out of their normal everyday uh, schools and, and uh, boredom of summer and, um, and, and bringing them in an environment where they can experience the Creator in His creation through the sacraments, through the Word, uh, service, um, and providing beautiful witnesses for what living out their faith really looks like. So we hire 110 college students from all over the country for the the summertime, and they're just living witnesses, building small Christian communities and leading their their cabins into a deeper relationship with the Lord through, you know, the sacraments and and, and their personal testimonies and small group conversations and um, just creating a, a, a fun environment. 
Uh, Jesus did a little bit, bit of that, and we're probably most familiar with his <laughs> doing that on the mount where he also fed 5,000. You don't feed that quite that many through the summer, but how many do you feed through the summer? Over the course of the summer, we'll feed 2,500, so about half of what Jesus did, but I'll, I'll, I'll give him all the street cred he gets, and more, more, than, more, than, uh, more than we got. So, and we'd feed 2,500, almost 2,500 over the course of, of the nine weeks of summer camp. And But the summer camp isn't all that you do at the Pines, is it? Correct. So we we operate a, a retreat ministry for parishes, schools. Uh, we do Catholic environmental education. In fact, there's three schools here right now, um, right outside my door, uh, learning about um, who Jesus is through his creation. So we'll talk a little bit about archaeology, for example, and they'll do a, a mock archaeological dig. And they'll tell the story of St. Helen finding the true cross and uh, what the, the mystery and the, uh, the stories of, of uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls and talk a little bit about how archaeology has impacted our faith and that we're learning about cultures, the Caddo natives, Native Americans who were here before us and what they did with the earth and how uh, they would have respect for our lake, for example, and how they wouldn't pollute and they wouldn't uh, use it for a... Um, anything other than a source of food and nutrition. So uh, it's great teaching kids inter, intertwining the uh, call of the fishermen, um, ecology of the water, uh, and, uh, and, and, and their faith, you know, that the kids are going home with a, a new relationship with the Lord and, and understanding, well, when we respect the water, that's what Jesus' disciples did as well. And that sounds like a living out of, the, of Pope Francis's uh, encyclical on care of the environment. That's um, exactly true. Uh, so we do a session even with the fifth grader. So uh, in Laudato Si, the, the Holy Father calls us to educate um, about the environment. It's not just about taking care of the environment. It's about uh, how important environmental education is. So we do about a 20-minute workshop on, on that with the fifth graders. One of their nights is their reflection, maybe uh, before adoration or, or before the bonfire. I forget which, which night it is, but uh, they'll... They'll just have a little reflection on that and saying, hey, what we're doing literally out here in East Texas, this is what the Pope is calling us to do. Uh, teach uh, young people about how care for the environment is care for the, the creation of what, what the Lord is. That intermingled with the beauty of the sacraments is, is um, you know, what, this, what this week is going to look like. I think you can start to, you know, uh, go too far on one side or too far on the other. We, we really try to uh, intermingle um, all of those teachings with, you know, with social justice and which, with the sacraments and personal holiness. We're really trying to keep a good balance in that. Well, the Catholic Church is the, cap, is the church of both and. It's not the exclusion of one to the other, but it's a both and situation in almost everything the Catholic Church teaches and how it leads people. Oh, absolutely. And, and of course, you know, there's, there's, we, we have great missionaries. So we have a team of nine uh, lay missionaries who live on the camp, and they live very simply. Uh, um, they're all college graduates, and um, they live uh, in community, eat together, pray together, work together, and um, solve differences and um, celebrate accomplishments all together. Uh, they're <clears throat> learning what that Church of Acts is and setting the example for these kids that come out here. Um, the dad on this retreat here, I was having coffee with him the other morning, and he said, my school uh, that he went to, 
um, they started coming to the Pines when he was in sixth grade, or fifth graders come out. He said, so I heard from all these fifth graders, I didn't get to go. You know, it was the first year that, it was the last year that didn't get to go as a fifth grader. And he said, I remember hearing all the stories about the Pines, and, and here I am taking my fifth grader, whatever it is, you know, 20 years later, uh, just how excited he is to finally be at the Pines. You know, it's, it's, it's something that's become part of the culture in Northeast Texas, uh, in, in the Catholic community. And, and we want to expand that as well. Let's, this is probably a good segue into asking you to give our listeners a history of the Pines and what it is. <clears throat> yeah, thanks, Gene. It's, um, we've been around for 30 years um, this October coming up, which is something we are excited to celebrate. They, they, um, the, the quick history was there was a group of great youth ministers in Dallas that their kids and, and parents were, were sending their kids to some of the fantastic, you know, non-denominational camps around here that um, the kids were, were going to and coming back and having a question about their faith, saying, hey, my counselor says it doesn't matter what church you go to as long as you love Jesus. And, um, you, you know, someone told me at camp that you don't have to confess your sins to a priest. You just need to, you know, get on your knees and pray for forgiveness. And uh, parents were saying, oh, that's nice, all well and good, but not exactly what we're teaching in our faith. And um, maybe we need to have a, a Catholic summer camp where kids can experience the, the church. And they went to uh, the bishop, and he said, that's a great idea. Uh, I, I just can't um, um, purchase it ourselves as part of the diocese, but you have my blessing. And uh, made a donation, and we purchased this property that is in Big Sandy, about halfway between Tyler and Longview in East Texas, in the Diocese of Tyler. Uh, to purchase the 130 acres. It was a campfire girls' camp, and for, according to the Gladewater Library here, it was a camp uh, property over a hundred years ago, which is pretty pretty wild that we're standing on ground that lots of kids have had experience of what camp is um, generations ago. So we have lots of sweet old ladies that come out here occasionally and say, "Oh, when I come see the camp, I haven't seen it in you know 30 years, 40 years." Uh, so it's, it's really neat that this, this facility was that. So purchased it. First summer had about 400 campers, I believe. And then over the course of the years, we've, we've grown and we've added facilities and um, looked at our mission. Our, our founding camp directors um, are still connected to it. Um, Bonnie and Hank, Father Hank. Um, uh, Father Hank was a lay person here and was, was the director here for 16 years, and he is uh, now the pastor of uh, St. Patrick's in Lufkin, Texas. And he found his vocation, went to seminary, and left. And uh, I came in soon after that, after Father Hank left. And I, you know, he was here for 16 years. This is my 11th summer being here at the Pine. So um, we've, uh, my, um, in, Father Hank just did incredible work forming campers, forming staff, uh, creating a great culture of uh, seeing what it could be. Uh, in my, my time here, I really have been proud of the, the staffs we've had and, and uh, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of campers that have been here. We've been really proud of that. And about 800 young people have worked for us here um, over my time and built a chapel. We built a dining hall, gym, redid all the cabins. We um, built a little guest house for our priests, and uh, right now we're working on a um, uh, house for our missionaries. You know, they live, like I said, they live very simply. They've lived in a double wide, and um, 
uh, we're with the um, uh, growth with what we're doing. We need to bring more staff in here, and this new building that our uh, executive director of operations and development and I have been kind of dreaming, uh, and and we're actually you know knocking down trees <laughs> not far out my window. And uh, double wide is very appropriate for some areas of East Texas. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They kind of a. Uh, it, it could be on our license plate for the for the county here. Yeah, there's lots of double wides out here. Uh, it's very country living, um, but we are really proud of what the Lord has done um, in 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 our on our facilities because it's holy ground, and we we um, we've just seen just great things come out of this. We currently have 16 young men in seminary um, that have been a part of this ministry over the past 10 years, and we have uh, nine priests that have worked here. In, in the last, uh, excuse me, nine men that have been on our staff as lay people are now priests, even just in the last 10 years. Okay. Now, do you still have priests come out when you have camp? Sure. Every week we have a, a, a chaplain that's here. Uh, on Sunday night we open with an outdoor beautiful mass with our almost 300 campers and you know, 90 staff, 100 staff, whatever we have in here at the week, and uh, we celebrate that. Some of them are those priests that have been campers and staff over the years. So, for example, Father Michael Richard, he was a counselor here my first summer. He was a student at LSU. Soon after he left here, he went to seminary for the Diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana. So he, he comes out every summer. He'll stay on Friday. Uh, he'll come in on Sunday, and he'll stay through till Wednesday or Thursday. And he'll hear confessions. He'll throw a frisbee with the kids. He'll celebrate Mass for um, the staff late at night, ten thirty at night, he'll he'll stay up and celebrate mass for the for the staff and get up the next morning and do it for camper groups. And we have a, a vocation director of of a Pueblo diocese. He was a missionary in a um, um, at the Pines and and was a summer camp counselor and um, Father Carl Wharton um, and he's been real connected to what we're doing here. Tell us a little bit about the uh, structure of the Pines. I'm thinking in particular, uh, who is over it, and are you submitted to any particular bishop or a group of bishops that uh, have oversee oversee what's going on and uh, make sure that everything is in line with the teachings of the Catholic Church? Yeah, uh, that's uh, a couple of questions in there, and which is great. The uh, the kids, what they'll say if I walk by lunch table, who who owns the pines? Uh, and and it's a great question. So we're we're run by a nonprofit board, and we have fifteen members of our board that um, generally based out of the Dallas and Tyler area. We have uh, one person in Houston, uh, one or two in Tyler, and then the rest in Dallas. Uh, they are responsible for the governance of our business, our organization. So they meet quarterly um, or more and come up with a strategic plan. They um, uh, uh, organize our, our budget and approve our budget. They uh, can help with the steering and direction of where the mission is going. Um, we're, we're deciding about a lot of things, we're, we're, where we're growing. We have hundreds of kids in the waiting list. Well, what, what do we want to do with that? Are we, are we okay with where we are? Is this um, – is, is, um, you know, adding another 100 kids or 200 kids or 500 kids a summer, is that going to jeopardize the uh, integrity of our mission? So it's great visionary folks. We have um, really, you know, lawyers and um, uh, people that are in professional ministry and real estate people that are, you know, really wise people um, uh, that uh, are all excited about their faith and what, what the Pines has done for their 
children themselves or grandchildren and really, um, you know, desire to, to grow our mission. As far as what our, our uh, compliance with the teachings of the Church, our bishop here, uh, Bishop Strickland, Joseph Strickland, is a great friend of ours at the Pines. So he comes out every summer and celebrates Mass outdoors. He'll come out and hear confessions under a tree if we need him. Uh, he's been uh, really, really supportive of what we're doing. So um, if there are any questions as far as liturgically or, you know, our teachings, we um, really haven't had any problems come up um, that have been addressed with him. Uh, but he's extremely supportive of us. He's at the other end of the phone at, at any point. So uh, kind of something really neat. Uh, this, this, we had an Advent retreat uh, that um, we call it Alive Again. It's sixth or seventh year we've done it. It's a great, beautiful retreat, 200 kids. And um, I had this dream to put the tabernacle, in, excuse me, put the monstrance in a manger uh, that um, after a procession, could we have the priest place this monstrance in the manger that connecting the Jesus that came to Mary and Joseph that Christmas day is the same Jesus that is present in the Eucharist. And when they look at that manger, they're going to make that beautiful connection of who Jesus is. It is the baby Jesus, and it is the Jesus, the living bread, that, that feeds his flock. And, and I, I'd ask for permission for something like that. It's something maybe a little bit out of the ordinary, but m- my desire was have every kid that came on that retreat think when they see the manger and they see a, a statue or a, a plastic light-up thing on someone's front yard, that's a representation of the true Jesus that's in the monstrance that, that we receive at Mass at, 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 um, you know, on Sundays or, or whenever. Which really tells our listeners that you are submitted to the authority of the Church, that you're not just some wild-eyed Catholic group that's doing its own thing. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. We have, uh, um, I'd say, probably, um, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to underestimate. I, I have about 40 priest numbers in my phone um, if, if, uh, um, uh, to, to be able to connect, to come out here for Mass and confessions. It's both in Dallas and, and um, Tyler. The Tyler priests were pretty well connected. I'm on the mm-hmm. uh, advisory board at Bishop Gorman High School in, in Tyler, and um, I'm at the Chancery often enough. Um, I, we have a great relationship with the diocese, and if there were any, ever any concerns uh, or I had questions about a teaching or something that uh, there are plenty of folks that we're, we're well connected with, which has been great. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we, Bishop allows us to keep the Blessed Sacrament in reserve here, um, so we're able to have adoration often. We have priests out here two to three or more, minimally two or three every week uh, from, from this diocese to hear confessions, and um, our bishop just has a really good relationship with us. Now, we're not owned by any diocese, so uh, that, that's been a, a misconception over the years that people think, oh, we're owned by the Diocese of Tyler, Tyler or Dallas. No, we're not. Uh, it's a non-parish-based ministry in Tyler um, that, that really we just have a, a beautiful relationship with the diocese. Uh, we don't hurt their finances, and uh, we're really just supporting the mission of the larger church. Uh, and and I have a you know degree in pastoral ministry, and our our staff are all degreed individuals, and no, there's no clergy on our staff. Okay. Now, so that means that the Pines Catholic Camp is probably IRS designated as a 501c3 organization. That's exactly right. So we 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 operate our, our business side is operated through the camperships and the. Um, 
fees that the campers pay, but also through a lot of donations. So we're, we're not able to grow in our, our development without the support of um, great individuals that, that see uh, the outdoor evangelization, relational ministry, small Christian communities, that that is changing uh, the heart of the church. Uh, this is uh, bringing up a new generation of young people that um, desire to fall in love with the sacraments and Jesus alive in the sacraments in the Word. Uh, so uh, we're, we're seeing such a, a transforming um, community that comes out of the pines. Rarely do we have campers come out here and they're not changed over the summer. Um, and we're, we're really doing beautiful work. And, and we're always looking for individuals that say, I want to see the future of the church change. This is how it's changing. Well, John, that means that if someone is listening to this and wants to contribute in their own way to the uh, transformation of young people, they would be able to make a donation to the Pines. And how would they go about doing that? That's a, a great question. Yeah, the easiest way is to go on our website, and um, you can have all, all of my connections, or, or Rick Villarreal, who's our Executive Director of Operations and, and uh, Development, uh, get in touch with one of us, and there's lots of building projects, lots of scholarships. Um, there's even uh, lots of ways that, that people could be, could be giving to, but um, really our, our mission center is our our focus that we're looking for individuals to be able to help us out with getting this building off the ground. Um, it's it's going to house young people who are going to live um, very simply, but serve the church very greatly. Uh, these the the missionaries that live on our camp uh, work long hours, starting with morning prayer at seven thirty in the morning and going till nine or ten at night, six John. days a week to serve these young people and share their lives with those kids. John, uh, for those that don't know, uh, you mentioned your website. What would that be if someone wanted to go to your website to find out more about the Pines or to make a donation or something of that nature? What is that website address? Great. It's thepines.org. That's simple enough. That's pretty simple, yeah. (laughs) If you search on Google, uh, Cap. Catholic camper, Pines Catholic camper. If you search anything, we're we're going to be about the number one, um, number one search on that. Well, that that uh, brings me to another question, and that is, uh, you've talked about these other retreats that you have, and you've got these individuals that make a year commitment to the Pines to uh, to be there. Uh, how many people do you minister to throughout the year, other than summer camp? Last year it was between four and five thousand young people that have come through our gates. Um, on uh, in our year-round programming alone, um, we do week, like I said, week week-long environmental education, middle school awakening type retreats. We'll um, u- utilize some of the activities and the and the beauty of our 130 acres and taking hikes through the woods and following a, a trail of questions that are uh, inviting us to um, see where the Lord's leading us. Um, what we have, Gene, is a lot of kids that are. Uh, starved from being in the forest. Uh, they, they're, they're in their life. Um, and, and I'd ask you, Gene, to think about the last time you, you, you were in the forest and looked around and saw nothing but trees, nothing, nothing but anybody else, just, just being out there alone. Mm-hmm. There is incredible peace in that. And, and it's not peace that uh, is coming from anywhere else but the Creator. He desires for us to be in that beautiful creation. 
Um, he wants to show us that beauty. He's a, he is an, um, an artist is an understatement, right? Uh, what, what, what beauty there is, the colors that form in the leaves and the roots of the trees and the way the forest changes. Um, there are countries in the Far East that are, that are taking people that are addicted to technology, and they're, they're calling it forest bathing. Uh, they're, they're putting people out into creation away from technology and screens and saying, breathe good oxygen. Uh, be in the midst of uh, dirt and away from the, the cities uh, and start to recognize who is the creator. Who created you, created these trees that are going to be here long after us, who created all these animals that can build homes in, in the forest and camouflage themselves, just... Um, uh, being in that invites us to know who the creator is. You know, there's a, there's a saying we've been saying around here that I uh, heard at a conference. There, there were no uh, atheists when men stared at the stars. Yes. Right? You know, uh, when our grandfathers would, would take our fathers hiking and, and uh, camping and that sort of thing, it, uh, we were able to get to know people. Um, and, and when we spend time in, in this outdoor, beautiful creation, uh, it, it's what families need. It's what young people really need. Uh, very seldom in summer camp on Thursday, I have, you know, no kids come into my office after being here for three or four days and say, I really miss my Xbox. Yes. What, what they're saying is, this is, this is where I'm home. I feel at home here. My guest today is John Egan, who's executive director of the Pines Catholic Camp. And John, and you can contact him today at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA if you would like to talk with him, 855-683-7332. And John, I, I'd like you to tell our listeners a little bit about how you got there, because you weren't even born in Texas. <laughs> That's right. I grew up in New York. Uh, I, I, I was... Uh, um raising a great Catholic family, one of six kids. My, my mother, Patrick, and excuse my mother, Philomena, my father, Patrick, it doesn't get more Irish Catholics than that. So um, my mother was an Irish immigrant, and um, my dad was an elevator constructor in New York and put the elevators in the World Trade Center. Uh, but we grew up in a great family, um, hardworking parents, and, and, and loved us very much, and faith was at the core of what we did. But this, the Texas is west of the Hudson River. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, uh, we we moved down here um, after 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 I graduated college. I married my beautiful wife. I met at uh, Marywood University and in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And we kind of slowly moved south. I lived in uh, New Jersey and North Carolina, and was a parish youth minister for ten years. I got my master's in pastoral ministry, and, and then we saw this job opening and. Uh, this had been always a dream to run a retreat center and a Catholic summer camp for a long time for us as a family. And we decided to take the risk and come down here. And we moved our family. We had three children then and uh, lived on the property for seven years. And we put the boards into the chapel, stayed up late. We put a little pack and play in there. And my wife and I were cutting boards and going up on a scissor lift, lift and you know, doing all the finish work inside of our chapel because we couldn't afford it and uh, couldn't afford, uh, you know, contractors to do it. So we, we did it ourselves. And uh, we're really proud of what what this place has been. Now we have six children, and we since moved to Tyler and uh, gotten a little more involved in the, in the parish community in, in Tyler. And um, uh, it's been a, a, a great journey. Um, yes. Um, we, the, the family that formed my wife 
and myself really set a great foundation for who we are right now and, and who we are raising our family to be. I understand that your nickname at the Pines, and everybody has a nickname, but your nickname is the Big Tuna. That's right. They call me Big Tuna. So uh, one, of the, one of the fun traditions we have at campus, when they get in, uh, uh, when a new staff comes in, this is something kids look forward to incredibly. Um, uh, when, when you take on this new role in the ministry, you're, you have a new name, like Abram became Abraham and uh, Saul became Paul. That, 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 that tradition, we have the same thing. A lot more fun at camp. So at our first bon- staff bonfire, everyone takes on their name. So you say, my name is John, and uh, in the summer you can call me Big Tuna, and that name came from this. So the story of that is when I, when I started here, uh, there, the, a lot of people know the, the sitcom The Office. There's one character they call uh, Big Tuna. Uh, just got a name from bringing a tuna fish sandwich <laughs> to work one day and got this goofy nickname. The other thing was uh, our, our meals back then, out of the 11 meals, nine of them were deep fried. It's, it was uh, <laughs> Deep we, East we, Texas. <laughs> that Deep East Texas, exactly. Everything's fried. Uh, we, <laughs> um, so I, I, I chose to kind of omit some of that from my diet if I wanted to survive here. Uh, so I, I ate a lot of tuna fish sandwiches every day. So I, 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 I like both ways, and uh, it, it's kind of fun. So everyone knows me as tuna or big tuna. John, do, uh, you are, when we talked several weeks ago, you were almost full for summer camp this year. Is, is it full now? Believe it or not, Gene, we are, we are just about full. Um, most of the weeks have a, a, a sprinkling of openings. Um, uh, week one, we still have some space left. So that, that's open to campers um, going into second grade all the way up to going into uh, sixth grade. Uh, excuse me. Fifth grade. Uh, so once once you're going into sixth, you're going into. Oh, I spoke wrong here, Gene. Going into seventh grade. Uh, so it's Water Village is the youngest kids. It's elementary school, and then the Branch Village is uh, middle school. It says so. It's um, sixth and seventh graders. Going into sixth or going into seventh grade. Um, so that first week we kind of leave as the younger campers, and we have about eighty spots left available for 80 that week. Eighty spots. Eighty spots. Um, the rest of the summer camp. All 300 beds are just about full, weeks two through nine. This is the week that's uh, – week one is where we're trying to really uh, fill some of the spots. And, we already and, have, and what, uh, what is week one, John? So it's June 3rd through June 9th. Okay. Uh, so it's right after school. School starts. It's a great way to start the summer. Um, we're still going to have great music and speakers and uh, amazing counselors. We have 160 or so kids already in there. Uh, we're – we're just um, we just have some opportunities to to fill those. We, we'd love to bring them. It's actually a discounted week as well. So we have a bus from Houston coming from um, uh, the Woodlands. That if if your listeners are are from um, the Houston area and say, hey, well, I'd love to go, but it's a, it's a ride up there, and if they're closer to the Woodlands, that'd be um, that we have a bus coming from there. Well, John, that that. Uh begins to answer my next question. Uh, in the Brazos Valley, we are several hours away from your camp. Palestine is probably the closest area, and then the folks in the Waco area uh, are also quite a distance from your camp. Uh, I'm sure that there are some parents that are concerned that, uh, that the great distance and that uh, that they don't know that they really want their children that far away. And, and what you've done and talking about the woodlands is you're really saying that there's no reason to be afraid. Yeah, with with the transportation, if that's any hesitation for family, we 
we we really are, are able to set up a little bus. So um, week one is the, the only week we have a, a bus from Houston area. Um, but Gene, we we really feel that it is worth the investment of the ride. Um, I, I I tell parents when they call and say, "Tell me about you know what do you want to tell in camp?" I'll say it's it's going to be the best car ride home. You know, you're going to want to hear these stories from your kids. Uh, it's it's beautiful to be able to say, oh, my gosh, I rode the zip line or I went down a 100-foot water slide. But, Mom, we had adoration, and it was awesome. I was praying. And, you know, I mean, I'd pay whatever it is to have my kids come home and say, oh, my gosh, wow, you know, adoration was so beautiful. And, and I went to confession. I hadn't gone in so long. It feels so good. Uh, I made new friends. I tried new food. I tried new things. I made decisions. Um, um, I opened up in, in, in what we call Winter Circle, which is the uh, evening stuff. So uh, parents, what we're hearing more and more is that uh, the kids come home with traditions from camp, and they bring them into their family. So they'll do the graces we do at camp at, and, um, uh, you know, at home. Or when, when Dad was telling me this week that we, we have an a activity called Bondo, which is your uh, cabin has bonding, the 30 minutes after dinner before the night game starts. So you might challenge another cabin to a ultimate Frisbee game or all the girls get their hair all crazy, you know, before the dance or whatever. And whatever that bonding is, is their cabin, just kind of a fun activity. And he says, you know, dad said, you know, as soon as my kids came home, we started family bondo. So we do it once a month. We have family bondo and it could be, you know, a night out, um, uh, for putt putt or something that, but we, Make sure we have that family bondo. It's 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 critical to our our family's development that the kids are taking these traditions home and bringing them into their family. I think bondo is a very uh, interesting name for that because I don't know whether they still do it or not. But in, in uh, times past, if a car uh, was in an accident and they couldn't repair the the uh, hole any other way, uh, they maybe drill some holes in it and put bondo in it and sand it down to where it matched the rest of the car. You know, Gene, uh, you're, you're picking up on something exactly where that came from. So it, it, my, my job immediately previous to starting here, I worked at a used car dealership. I won't say the name, but it was a very reputable one in North Carolina. And I learned a lot about cars and a lot of things about the way cheap ways to fixing cars. And that word always stuck in my mind. I thought it was funny. You know, it's like uh, the cheap way to fix a bumper or a, or a dent in something is exactly that bondo. So uh, I brought the name of that to the camp. It had always been kind of one of those activities, but Everything at camp has like a goofy name, and that's exactly where I got the name Bondo. So I'm glad you picked up on that, Gene. You're a car guy. No, I'm not. I've just been <laughs> old enough to have uh, experienced a lot. And what, what you're telling me is that this exercise is not only to repair the dents and the holes and the rips in the lives of each of the individual campers, but also the holes and the rips and the dents in the life of the family. Absolutely. It's it, what, what, what this dad was saying was it, it was been so critical for his family uh, that, you know, it makes their week. It, it, the kids look forward to it. What are we doing for Family Bondo this week, Dad, or this month, Dad? You know, they, they find a way to say, we got to schedule this. You know, us um, married folks, we, we have to schedule dates with, our, with mm-hmm. our spouses. That's very, very critical to the structure of the family that uh, as much as soccer games and dance recitals and all that stuff, dragging kids all over the place, and we know that very well, is critical to the family and supporting our kids. We have to support the sacrament of marriage, and, and we do that with dates. So if you're not scheduling them, um, they're not going to happen. And 
my family, that's my job. I have to schedule the date. Pick a restaurant, pick a place to go have a drink or dance or night away or whatever. We, uh, um, in our family, it, it just works if I schedule it and, and my wife feels like she's really being treated. Uh, I remember when our children were all small and, and we thought that we couldn't afford some of those things, uh, we found a hotel with a very nice lobby and would just sit there and talk. <laughs> it's awesome. You, you don't have to pay for that. The, the beauty of that. That's great. It, it, oh, it's great. We, we have really, um, even just a walk. Um, yes. We, my wife and I built our relationship next to our, next to our college campus was a, uh, uh, cemetery. So we, we would take walks all the time in the cemetery. It was quiet. <laughs> oh, and, and nobody was going to interrupt your conversation. That's exactly right. They, they, they weren't talking anymore. We've talked a little bit about the campers and how the campers come home with something very special. And we've talked about how uh, if a, a, a parent or, or a child is listening, wants to uh, make summer camp, they need to go to, to thepines.org quickly to try to get into one of those open slots. What about your counselors? Uh, are, are your counselor positions all filled at this point? Just about. We have three or four uh, male positions, and in fact, I think maybe a female position opened up yesterday. So if, if someone was interested in, in doing that, they can co- uh, contact us through the website at thepines.org or Carla at thepines.org. Carla's kind of. C A R L A at That's right. C A R L A. Carla at thepines.org. Now, what are the qualifications for being a counselor in summer camp? I'm sure that you just don't pick any Tom, Dick, and Mary. That's right. There, there's a, a pretty cool process to be able to do that. So um, the, the way the process goes, people can apply online, and then once they get three references in, then we set up an interview, and it's um, Skype or Google Hangouts or however, so we're seeing them face-to-face to kind of get to know them a little bit. We'll, we'll talk with them about what's going on in their life, who they are, how, how they were raised, and you know, just kind of what, what, um, what kind of experience they've had in working with kids, what's going on in their faith life, um, ask some good uh, um, uh, situational questions, so they'll, they'll learn. You know, what might you do if you had a camper who wasn't getting along in the in the cabin, uh, wasn't getting along with the kids, or uh, how how might you handle someone who was always monopolizing the conversation? So you kind of get to know where they're coming from, and you know, can they handle some of the uh, stressful situations? So then, once we say, okay, you're hired, we um, do background checks and. Um, make sure that everything is, is as they said it was. Uh, and then as they come in, we do a, a pretty extensive, almost three-week training. But it's training in, um, uh, we train our, our senior staff, we train our for, uh, lifeguards and ropes course facilitators and archery, riflery. We, we have outside companies that come in and do that. And then we train them in what the Pines culture is. So we'll train them in first aid CPR, behavior management, risk management, uh, how to lead activities the Pines way, which is, you know, through prayers and careful observation of what's happening, both watching the physical safety and the emotional safety of the kids, our, our kids being excluded. Um, and then we do, we do drills and we do um, uh, emergency drills and uh, carefully observed, like, hey, leading activity of these counselors, what, what would that look like? Um, you know, are they... Are, are these folks who they, again who they who they applied to be, and then then we have that opening bonfire where everyone gets their their camp name and they're and they're ingrained into our culture, you know, uh, Zappos. 
this, uh, you know, that uh, shoe company. Yes. They, they have incredible training and uh, onboarding in their culture, and uh, I, I would love to do this at, at the Pines. But, at, you know, at the end of their training, they say, here's a $2,500 check. If you don't want to work here, take this check and just go home. You know, uh, and and I think we can apply a lot of that to the pines to say, you know, I, I pay you to leave because, you know, I want you here not for the money, but I want you here because you really believe in this culture. The car company I worked in was very very much about a great culture. Um, they they wanted uh, people who really wanted to be there and who loved what what that was, and it's a uh, a great way of you know we we have that same mentality that there's a, a certain feel of who a pines counselor is. Um, if, if there's, like I said, there's <clears throat> over 800 that I've ha- I've had on, on my team in the last 10 years, and there's way more of that than than that with Father Hank as well. And you know, they they're the youth ministers and and people active in their parishes all, all over Northeast Texas, all over Texas. Really, I'm, there's probably 12 youth ministers in, in the Dallas diocese that are minimally that are um, that are Pines staff, former Pines staff. What you're telling us is that the Pines is a safe environment in every aspect for a camper or a counselor. Yeah, it, that's exactly right. Um, when, when parents are signing up, they can, they can rest assured that they've gone through uh, critical training, um, screening. Um, their, their faith really even looked at it as well. Like, are, are these people going to lead my son or daughter? closer to the Lord? Um, and, and are they going to take care of their um, emotional, physical needs? Are, are they going to make sure they're not being bullied or being excluded? Are they make sure they're eating their food and getting sleep and, and, and supervision? You know, we're, we're an ACA accredited oh, camp. T- explain is, uh, what that is. Uh, yes, it's the American Camp Association. It's a <clears throat> national organization that... And it's not Catholic. Correct. It's not Catholic. They do everything from you know, basketball camps, Boy Scout camps, and mm-hmm. um, nature camps in nor- uh, Pacific Northwest to, you know, any, any type of, even computer camps, you know, but, okay. but they're going to they're gonna set the standards for what the generally accepted standards are in camping across the country. John, we are less than 20 seconds from having to say goodbye. Is, have you got about 15 seconds worth of something you'd like to say? Sure. Well, I, I would invite people to uh, check out our website, look at some of our videos and, and the excitement of what what's happening here at camp. Um, we'd love to have uh, you, you added to our <clears throat> to our mailing list and, and be a part of our community. If it's something you know you're, you're, you you want to change the future of the church, uh, invest in us. Uh, make make a make a donation to say I I hear what's happening there and I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that culture of what the Pines is, uh, the the retreat ministry, summer camp ministry, and, and supporting our missionaries uh, and what what they're doing to uh, promote the greater mission of the church. John, I appreciate your time so much. I'm going to do a little wrap up here. Uh, we are asking you to. Look at their website, thepines.org, and see what you can do to help the Pines or find out more about the Pines Camp. Thank you so much, John Egan, for being my guest today. Uh, This is Gene Wilhelm signing off. And remember, when choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up.